0: Hello and welcome to a VJ Oncology podcast. We are a global open access multimedia channel that brings you the latest research updates in oncology through innovative digital media. Today, we'll be hearing from several leading experts in breast cancer discussing key highlights from the annual San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, including updates in immuno-oncology, novel targets, and the latest trial data. First up, We hear from Sangeetha Reddy of UT Southwestern Medical Center as she discusses the latest data in immune oncology, including updates in the Keynote 86, NCI 10013, and APAC studies.
1: I um, was a discussant at, uh, I think, spotlight session 14 on immune oncology. Um, In this, I summarized uh, three abstracts. The first was related to the Keynote 86 trial, which was a clinical trial um, in metastatic triple negative breast cancer patients who received pembrolizumab as monotherapy. Um, So in these patients, um, I mean, the clinical um, outcomes were already published previously, but this abstract um, by Shereen Loy and colleagues focused on biomarkers of response in the patients on the trial. Um, the findings focused on a couple categories. One was related to immune biomarkers of response, and these were all in baseline samples. Um, and the authors showed that the baseline uh, presence of a lymphoid infiltrate as measured by tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, um, as well as uh, a T-cell inflamed gene expression score, um, and also pdl one positivity was favorably correlated with response to pembrolizumab monotherapy. In these patients and this was seen in the two different cohorts in the clinical trial both in untreated um, pdl one positive metastatic triple negative breast cancer patients and also in those that were on the um, second line or later therapy um, the other category of biomarkers was related to mutational burden so total mutational burden was also predictive of response in this clinical trial and um, was independently predict- predictive so while the immune markers uh, correlated with each other. Um, if if you were positive for one, you tended to be more positive for another one of these immune biomarkers. Um, that was not the case with the total mutational burden, which uh, seemed to be an independent predictor from the um, uh, lymphoid variables. They looked at some additional sort of suppressive immune features on their gene expression. Those didn't show any statistical significance. Then um, on my discussion of that abstract, you know, a couple of the suggestions just in general for the field where this is what we commonly see um, in having some biomarkers that do correlate to outcomes, but don't quite get us there of uh, making the cutoff of who should or should not be treated, um, is to consider on-treatment biopsies, so on-treatment biomarkers after the patient's already started on treatment and then looking. Um, we previously published in melanoma and now I'm looking in the breast cancer field that that on-treatment biopsy is more predictive of response when it comes to these immunotherapies than our baseline um, biopsies, which of course are easier to get in the clinical trial setting, but it may be worth um, trying to get the on-treatment as as often as we can. Um, The second abstract I summarized was the um, NCI, uh, I believe 1003 trial, and this one focused on a uh, neoadjuvant or pre surgical um, clinical trial uh, in localized triple negative breast cancer patients with uh, carboplatin and paclitaxel chemotherapy for. Uh, 12 weeks, um, followed by surgery. And then afterwards they could receive the rest of their standard treatment, which would include Um So their uh, goal in this trial, um, and, and it was randomized. So they had a control arm um, of the, the regimen I just described. And then they had the experimental arm which contained a atezolizumab in addition to this. And ultimately, from a clinical standpoint, they found an improvement in pathologic complete response rate. Um, However, it was relatively low in the control arm um, at 18.8%. And in the experimental arm, it was significantly higher at 55.6%. But again, tougher to make that comparison um, given the standard of care arm was lower than expected in this setting. Um, This clinical trial had um, ultimately 16 patients in the standard of care arm and 45 patients in the experimental arm. Um, As a result, um, again, because of less patients in the control arm, that could explain potentially why that pathologic response rate was a little bit lower and potentially skewing the results. Um, The other primary endpoint of this trial was to look and see if the tumor infiltrating lymphocyte Uh, infiltrate was different with treatment and between arms. We didn't see any significant uh, increase um, either within one of the two arms or between the arms. Um, On my discussion of this abstract, uh, I try to put it in perspective with the other neoadjuvant clinical trials with uh, PD-1 or PD-1 immune checkpoint blockade that have been presented. Interestingly, we've seen in Keynote 522 and in PASSION 31 that there is a significant increase in pathologic complete response rate when these immune checkpoint blockade agents are added on to an anthracycline-containing chemotherapy. But um, in the prior report of NeoTriP, which had a similar platinum and taxane regimen to this trial, when we added on this immunotherapy we did not see that significant increase and that potentially you know is is hypothesized to be related to the lack of anthracycline Um, but this current clinical trial um, adds additional sort of data to the literature here they were seeing some signal of effect whether that truly does indicate um, that that there may be benefit in an anthracycline sparing regimen of adding this immune checkpoint blockade or whether it was that this was a smaller trial and um, the results were skewed based on the low uh, response rate seen on the pathologic complete response arm. Um, you know, we'll need to await additional ongoing trials to um, uh, see. And then we'll need to await longer term uh, follow up from all of these trials to see what we um, observe on event free survival rates. And the final abstract I summarized is about the APAC trial which looked at um, the addition of a LAG3 protein that is meant to stimulate um, MHC2 and thus uh, promote antigen presentation. Um, uh, The addition of this to Paclitaxel containing uh, chemotherapy regimen and metastatic hormone receptor positive breast cancer. So patients were randomized to either the chemotherapy by itself or the addition of this LAG3 agonist um, for Uh, six months, um, six cycles of therapy, and then uh, the chemo was stopped, and then you either continued on placebo or this immunotherapy. The trial did not meet its primary endpoint um, in uh, showing there was a um, a significant improvement in survival outcomes. Um, However, it was interesting on their subgroup analysis because in those younger than 65, for example, they saw uh, over a seven-month improvement in overall survival in that cohort. Potentially, um, this could be due to um, reversible defects in um, innate immunity that's being stimulated, and perhaps that's less reversible in the older population. So I think for this trial, it's actually really exciting to see um, that stimulants of innate immunity do have these effects. and. Um, I think the investigators are looking into doing a follow-up study, focusing on that younger population, younger than 65. We'll also need to see how this compares to all the other um, agents that are targeting innate immunity, how their safety profile compares, how their efficacy compares, Um, so it'll be exciting. But I think all in all, um, there were a lot of great immunotherapy studies in breast cancer and immune monitoring studies uh, during the course of uh, San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium.
0: Secondly, we spoke to Bora Lim of the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center who gives us a roundup of the latest novel targeted therapies being explored in breast cancer. As you know, the San Antonio Breast Cancer
2: Conference is our biggest, you know, conference to discuss an exciting novel targeted therapies and, you know, big treatments, um, potentially practice changing decisions and uh, new uh, phase three trials results, you know, they're discussed, you know, anything related to breast cancer. For my special interest though, I am more of a translational researcher who's doing early phase trials, phase one and two. So one of the discussions that I was involved in was the novel targeted therapy, especially focusing on PI3 kinase and then AKT pathways. And so there were um, you know, several exciting posters including the posters that I have discussed as well as some of the other ones that were covered by the general session. So a few of the items that I could take on, uh, on from the take-home message from those discussions and the general sessions they were involved is certainly uh, this is a new era, the targeted therapy in breast cancer, especially in HER2-negative subtypes, for example, ER-positive or triple-negative, has boomed again. You know, um, there were like one or two large studies that were being presented, you know, over the years from targeting PI3 kinase, such as SOLAR study, um, or, you know, there was also like new, the AKT inhibitor study that we were waiting. So those results are coming in. I think the results are overall promising that this is one of those um, lessons that targeted therapy in breast cancer is finally getting into better shape uh, in terms of more approved protocols or the, you know, the combination therapies, were actually a new potential, you know, upcoming possible registration path. Although some of those phase three results were either negative um, or pending. So that's one of this area. I think as we are having more of those targeted therapies coming up, one of the things that we also have to pay more attention is how we define those target groups. So in phase three studies, for example, the um, you know, trial, the cohort A, they were selecting patients with the PI3 kinase and then AKT altered target groups. Unfortunately, that study had been uh, coming back as a negative study. So basically the patients who had an altered pathway by adding the AKT inhibitor that did not improve the progression-free survival However, I think that that could be either two one of those two things. Number one, either we are having a not um, sort of accurate way of measuring this AKT inhibitor, you know predictive pathways potential. Number two, those targeted therapies sometimes it's very hard to um, get the positive signal. You know, sometimes this requires a very large number of patients to actually detect the signal of the potential benefit. But then, you know, you can also argue in TNBC who has a uh, overall bad prognosis. You know, you have to truly have a significant improvement of the survival; otherwise, it's meaningless clinically. So, those are the. But but then um, then when you're going into more of the earlier studies, which I cover in the poster discussion session, there were a lot of promising agents, for example, like Neurotinib in the targeted erbb 2 mutations, the triple combination of Neurotinib, and Trastuzumab had like more than 45% overall response rate, which is very exciting. And similar pattern has been shown in um, some of the others, you know, so the new upcoming PIV kinase, that's you know, triple combination of the palpocyclic, capybacirctib, and the uh, fulbastron also shows pretty, you know, significant 40% response rate, which is going to be tested in the future studies.
0: Finally, we heard from Matteo Lambertini of IRCCS AOU San Martino, who discusses the latest trial updates presented at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium.
3: There are several important presentations that we are uh, really look, looking forward at the uh, San Antonio 2020 conference. First one uh, is the role of CDK4-6 inhibitor in the adjuvant setting. We will hear more data from the Monarch E trial and we will have the presentation of the Penelope a trial with the use of palbociclib. We had a negative press release so, apparently, palbosclip uh, does not improve the outcomes of uh, early breast cancer patients, but we are, we are going to see the actual results of, uh, in this setting. In the early, uh, early disease, we will have also two important presentations on the uh, use of genomic tests, trying to spare chemotherapy for a, a proportion of patients with hormone receptor positive breast cancer. We will have more data from uh, the Taylor X trial to try to uh, kind of improve the prognostication in this setting, merging uh, genomic data as, uh, as well as uh, clinical data. And we will hear the very important uh, results from the walk trial, uh, assessing the role of oncotype DX in patients with one to three positive nodes. I remind that taylor was done in patients with no negative disease. I think this is very important for our current clinical practice. And then there, uh, there's going to be also several important studies in the, uh, in the advanced setting with, with uh, for example, the phase three data with the use of uh, uh, hepatazertib in patients with triple negative breast cancer. Biomarker results from the Ashen study with the use of Salsituzumab salchiz- govitecan. Uh, as well as a uh, trial on the use of uh, chemotherapy like the uh, ta- um, uh, TZ-taxel with capecitabine in patients with hormone receptor positive, uh, advanced, uh, HER2-negative advanced breast cancer. As well as the combination of entinostat uh, to endocrine therapy in patients with hormone receptor positive disease, so main important also phase three trial that are going to be presented for the first time here at the San Antonio twenty twenty conference.
0: If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, including Apple, Spotify, and Podbean, so we can continue to deliver expert led content to you. Follow us on Twitter at vj oncology and join in the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit vjoncology.com for all the latest updates in the breast
1: cancer field.